I want to speak to you today on a simple subject, uh, real people that serve a real God. Real people that serve a real God. You know, our world is looking for real people. Uh, and what I mean by that is someone that is authentic, uh, someone that is not one way one day and then another way the next day. But they're looking for people that no matter if you see them on Sunday or on Tuesday, they're the real thing. And they're looking for someone that not only talks about what they believe, but they walk about what they believe. You know, our world is searching for something different, but they're having a hard time finding that something different. And the only reason why someone would have a hard time finding something different if they're not seeing someone that is different. It's one thing to come to the house of the Lord and profess yourself to be a Christian. It's one thing to profess yourself to be a child of God. It's a whole other thing to walk and talk and live as a child of God. And the world, people today are yearning for someone that they can look to and say, there's something different about you. And I'm telling you right now that it's important, even myself, if I can give my own personal witness and not necessarily a testimony, but I pray that it is a testimony of mine, is that the 30, 40 minutes or however long that I stand behind this podium on this sacred, holy ground that I stand upon, and I know the very words that I speak are words of eternity, it can affect someone's life forever, not just in this world, but in the world to come. I understand that and know that, and I take that very seriously. I don't take that lightly. With that understanding, I believe that my very testimony goes beyond this time that I stand right here. Because I can say one thing up here and say all the right words, profess the right things, but yet if my life doesn't reflect what I teach, then why should I even be teaching? There's a lot of people that profess a lot of things, that say a lot of things and proclaim even the word of God. Because the Bible says, let God be true and every man a lie. And we know his word it's true. So yes, we can stand up, here, stand up here and profess the word of God, but yet if my life does not reflect the words that I'm preaching, then what am I really doing? I'm really only fooling myself because I may be saying the right things to somebody else, but I'm living a lie behind closed doors. I believe the best message that I can ever preach is my life because some people may not understand me and know me as Pastor Robinson. Someone may not ever meet me as Pastor Eddie Robinson, but they may meet me as the man. Eddie Robinson, and how you see me at the grocery store, how you see me at a ball game, how you see me on the street corner, how you see me in your neighborhood, as, as you see me wherever I may be, am I saying and living the right way? So we're looking for real people that serve a real God. Because if you are real, if you are authentic, then you will not be ashamed to profess the real God that you serve. Because if it wasn't for a real God, he would not have been able to bring me out of the ways that I used to be in. And so when you are authentic and when you are real, I'm going somewhere here today, all right? So just stay with me just for a moment. But it's important to understand that I won't be ashamed to share with you the things that I used to do, and now this is who I am today. 
because they need a real God. They don't need someone uh, uh, that, that doesn't, they don't feel that can touch them uh, and bring them out and that can heal them and that can set them free and that can save them. But I know he's able to do it. Why? Because he done it for me. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number five, it says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the Bible continues on in Mark chapter number 16. It says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I love that, vo uh, that verse of scripture because it leaves no room for discrimination because it says, go ye into all the world, not just the parts that you like, not just the parts you want to stay away from, but all the world. And then it says to preach the gospel, not just to whites, not just to blacks, not just to people that are different color skin or your color skin, but to every creature. It leaves no room for discrimination. Jesus left his ministry in the hands of the apostles when he ascended to heaven. His command to them was to continue his ministry throughout the entire world. That same ministry is extended to us as believers. We have an obligation to be set apart, to be a light in darkness and a hope to a dying world. So that's why it's important for us to not be like the world. How can someone tell me that they are of God when they are so much like the world? Because I was in the world and God brought me out of the world so that I can be set apart so that someone else can see that there's something different about you. But too often we have too many churches that are trying to be like the world to try to gain influence from the world. I'm sorry, that's the wrong way to go about it. So if you belong to a church and you can't tell the difference, I would get out of that church real quick. But I'm telling you, once we reassemble, if you come to the house of the Lord located on the corner of Creasy and Union, you will find some people that are separated from the world because God brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are Christians, and to be Christians means to be Christ-like or like Christ. And as the term suggests, we should be like Christ. So what does that mean, to be like Christ? We should act like Jesus did. Jesus was devoted to outreach and lived a lifestyle of evangelism. His ministry was heal the sick, minister to the broken, and love un conditionally. Outreach was the heartbeat of Jesus's ministry, and it should be ours as well. Matthew 14 says, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Outreach is more than a planned event or action. It is a lifestyle. A lifestyle that is both challenging and rewarding. It requires love, it requires passion, and it requires a dedication to God and others. The overarching characteristic of a soul winner is unconditional love towards God 
and towards man. You cannot have a love for God and say that you have a love for man. Because if you have a love for God, you will possess a love for man. Jesus said that these two things were the greatest of all the commandments. The first one in Matthew chapter number 22, it says, Jesus said unto them, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. It is absolutely essential for us to have an intimate relationship with God. To be an effective soul winner, here are three keys in order to be effective. It is a daily prayer life, a consistent devotion to the Word of God, and faithfulness to the house of God. This is the foundation on which your lifestyle should be built on. Number one, prayer. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse number 17, it says to pray without ceasing. So in other words, in all the time or in all ways, consistently throughout your life and throughout your day, God should be on your mind. There should not be one thing or one decision that you make to where you do not counsel with God first. There should not be a move that you make in your life to where you don't seek God before you pick up that telephone. We should always go to him first before we make any decision or move in our life. Then devotion is the second thing, for the Bible says in Psalms 119, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statues. And the third thing is the church. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 10, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. I want to pause there for a second because when I come to the house of the Lord, I come to receive what I need from the Lord, but I also come to exhort also my brothers and my sisters. I don't come to backbite. I don't come to tear down. I don't come to see who's here and who's not here. But whoever is here, I will exhort them and give God glory for them. And it says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When you have an intimate relationship with God, it allows God to show you what true love is and in turn allows you to extend that same love to others. And the second is like unto the first. It says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. Love is the essence of outreach. Love is the most powerful tool we have. Love will never fail. For the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, love suffereth long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures 
all things. Love never fails. The world teaches us to be self-centered and lovers of ourselves. But Paul's writing to Timothy prophesied that this world uh, be prevalent in the last days, that it would be prevalent in the last days according to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Listen to this now. It says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud blasphemers, disobedient of parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brooder, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. And so there's anything that children of God should exemplify is the love of God. And when you have a love for Jesus Christ first, you won't put other things in front of the love of God. Because we must be careful. That last part there is key. Because I believe if you can grab hold to and apply the latter part, everything else will line up. It says here that they would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But if you become a lover of God, the love of pleasure and the things that we call unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, headstrong, despisers, traitors, haughty, the love of God cannot be in that. That is the world's way of living, and that is the world we live in today. If that is the world, then how much more should we use love to combat the forces that are sending this world to a very real hell. Love is the most powerful and effective weapon we have to fight with. It cannot be challenged or subdued. Love will always accomplish its purpose. It will never fail. John chapter number 13 says, By this all men should know that you are my disciples. How? That you have love one to another. When you love unconditionally, you are making a statement to the world that Jesus loves them. And through you, they will see him. We've all heard the cliche or the phrase, actions speak louder than words. The same principle applies to a living to living a lifestyle of outreach or a lifestyle of evangelism. Outreach as at its very core is meeting and ministering to or serving the needs of others. If you ever find yourself in a place to where you don't want to sacrifice your time to help somebody else during their time, you must be very careful and you must ask God to give you or renew you with or baptize you with a true spirit of love. Because you ought to be very careful and that's very close uh, to becoming very high-minded or headstrong or haughty or unholy, if you will. Uh-huh, yes unholy if you put yourself before many people that oftentimes that you can sacrifice your time to try to help somebody else that is unholy because that's not like the holy God that we serve but the Bible lets us know that Jesus was a servant of servants and his ministry was a reflection of that. The Bible says in James chapter number two, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone say he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say unto him, depart in peace 
be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We can preach and teach Jesus to the world until we're blue in the face, but if we don't practice what we preach, it doesn't matter. It's just another person rambling about religion. I am not a preacher of religion, but I am a preacher of relationship. This church is not a religious center, but this church is a place where we introduce people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we come here for no other purpose and no other reason, it is to introduce people to Jesus. We should not bring here to introduce people to the preacher. We shouldn't bring people here to introduce them to the singing, but we should bring people here to introduce them to Jesus because he is the one that we need to have the relationship with. And when we introduce people to Jesus, he's the one that's able to bring them out of whatever sin they are in. But we are relationship people and not religion people. Religion says check a box. And after you check these boxes, you have salvation. We don't say come and give you the right hand of fellowship and now you're in. We don't say if you sign up for this class and do this and meet me back in this back room. And now we say if you just lift your hands and lift your voice and say, I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart. No, that's religion. That's what, religious, that's what religion brings to you. But we want to offer you a relationship. That's why, G you know, that's why Jesus came and died for us because he wanted a relationship. The, the Bible says he is our friend and there's no greater friend than a person that will lay down his life for his friends. There's no better act or no greater act of love than someone lay down their life for their friends. And so Jesus wants a relationship with you and it is our opportunity, our obligation. I'm going to tell you right now, it's our obligation to introduce people to Jesus. We must still preach and teach Jesus, but we must back up our preaching and our teaching with action. The world is looking for a real God, not just a God someone tells them about, but a real God that can pull them out of sin, pull them away from the things that have them trapped and have them bound. People are looking for change, but they're looking for the change maker. They're looking for a way out, but they're looking for the difference maker. They're looking for a way that is different than the ways that they're going in, but they're looking for someone that's able to perform a miracle. That's why so many people go to false religion and false God and witchcraft and all the different things that the world tries to mimic that God is able to do because they're looking for answers. They're, they're, palm readers wouldn't be in business. There's different psychiatrists and different things that deal with certain spirits wouldn't be in business if people were not looking for answers and if people were not looking for change. Well, I've come to introduce you to the greatest change maker, the greatest way maker, the greatest heart fixer, the greatest mind regulator, the greatest one. There's no one before him. There's none that's going to come after him. There's no one beside him, but he's God and God alone. And his 
his name is Jesus Christ. He's the one that brought me out. He's the one that gives me the right mind. He's the one that gives me the right heart. And he's able to do it for you. It is important that we act out what we mean when we say we serve a real God. I'm searching and I'm preaching and I'm calling out every person that calls themselves a child of God to pray for a spirit of boldness. The Bible says in Romans chapter number one, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I want to pause there for a second because it's interesting that the scripture uses the terms to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why didn't it say I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ? But why would it say don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Because there's a lot of people that will profess that they believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people that profess to be Christians. There's a lot of people that profess to live for God. But it's a whole entirely different thing to not only profess Jesus, but teach people what it takes to know Jesus. We can't be ashamed of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. We can't be ashamed of the gospel, repentance, baptism in his name, and filling of the Holy Ghost. See, that's where the scripture is going towards. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I can go around and say, oh, Jesus loves you. Yes, he cares about you, and yes, he does. He does all those things. He cares. He loves. Just like the woman that came to him that was caught in, in, in the act of adultery, and she said, hey, after his accusers walked away to the young lady, he said, where are your accusers? Then therefore, I don't accuse you either. But he says, but don't sin no more. Don't do that again. And it's important to understand that simple little story. Why? Because there are expectations that Jesus has for us that fall in line with the gospel. And the Bible says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And so we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. We can't be ashamed to profess the death, burial, and resurrection. We can't be ashamed to profess repentance, baptism in Jesus Christ, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's where the power is. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. We are the most influential and powerful people in the world. God gave us the Holy Ghost and brought us into this glorious salvation so we can share it with others. We must be careful not to bottle it up that God, what God has given us or hide it away and keep it to ourselves. You know, there's an interesting parable that is told in the book of Matthew chapter number 25. This is the parable of the talents where he gave one five, he gave another two, and then he gave one one. But it's interesting here, whenever you read in the scriptures where Jesus is giving a parable, you will rarely hear him find where he opens up the parable. It's only a few times in the Bible where he opens it up by saying, for the kingdom 
of heaven is as. So that's interesting there because when he opens up the statement by letting us know for the kingdom of heaven is as, we better keen in very closely because he, in other words, he's giving us an example to say, if you want to be able to make it in, then this must be applied. For the Bible says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. We understand the story. Many of you do, but I want to kind of break it down a little bit for those that may not. Because he gave one five talents. Now, talents here in the scripture is a word for money. All right? So this is talking about money here. He gave one five talents. And that one that had five, he went and did what he needed to do, uh, and he gained five other talents, all right? So when he came back to the Lord, the Bible lets us know that after a long time, the Lord, or after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckon with him. And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. And we see that same scenario play out with the one that had two talents. He went out and gained two more talents. The Lord blessed him for that. He said, you've been faithful over a few. I will make you ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping what thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid the talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. That part there in the scripture where it says, lo, there thou hast that is mine. Jesus is saying what you put in the ground wasn't yours to put in the ground, but it was mine. It was my possession that I gave unto you. This is something that you didn't have to work for, but I gave it to you. So if I gave it to you in order to gain more or to do what you were supposed to do with it, it wasn't yours to put in the ground in the first place. But what I gave you, it was mine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I, or excuse me, where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Usury is interest would have received my own with interest. This is very interesting here. I want to kind of take a few minutes and really dive into this parable. Because remember, the scripture starts out by saying, for the kingdom of heaven is as. So this is important to get. We don't oftentimes hear enough of the parable of the talents. But God says the kingdom of heaven is like this, where what I gave to you, what are you doing with what I gave to you? And so it's important to see that the one that gave five, he went out and did what he was supposed to do, and he gained five more because of it. The one that had two, he went out and did what he was supposed to do, and I'm going to get to that point, what is, are they supposed to do? Because the one that had the one did not, and because of fear, he took it and hid it in the earth. 
Now, it's important here because the Bible says that the scripture says that the one that had the one, and I was afraid, and and hid the talent in the earth. And he says, Lord, oh, excuse me, Uh, he, he said unto him, then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. Let's go to John chapter number four real quick to give us a little bit more clarity on what this is talking about. John four, verse number 38. It says, I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labor. Jesus is giving a clear example here that what I have done for you or given unto you, it is your responsibility to take what I have given you and then go out and share it or do what you're supposed to do in the world with what I have given you. Well, this is interesting here because what has God given unto us? Now, oftentimes we relate this particular story, the talents, with gifts, the different gifts that God has given us. I've seen many people relate this to that, to where, you know, uh, we have different gifts and abilities that God gives us. And then they go to the scripture where God gives gifts and talents without repentance and different things of that nature. But let's go a little bit further into detail because the Bible lets us know that the scripture goes on and says, it says, take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which have ten. For unto everyone that shall, that have shall be given, he shall have abundance. But from him that have not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this lets us know because we did not take what God had given unto us, there was a punishment for our inability to use what God had given us. So this takes it to a whole nother level and a deeper understanding of what this story is saying. That's why it starts out by saying, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Because this is important here, that what God is given unto you and what has he possessed you with? He's possessed many of us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why is that important? Because what the Bible says that after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be what? witnesses. So it's important because when he gives you this Holy Ghost, when he endures you with power, that didn't come from you. You didn't have to work for it. No, you just received it by faith. And so that's what the story is really relating to because you didn't take what I gave you and you didn't open up your mouth and share it with anybody, but you just had it to yourself. You went into your little closet and was afraid to, y'all better hear me when I'm preaching right now. You need to understand. I'm telling you your witness is a part of your salvation. You better understand this because the Bible says that the one that was given the talent was so afraid to do anything with it that he hid it in the earth. Jesus said you should have gave it to somebody else that can at least do something with it so that when I came back I had a little bit of interest. But give it to somebody else that can do something with it. God is trying to get our attention that we 
must take what God has given us. Well, what has he given us? He has given us the opportunity for eternal life. I'm trying to open up our understanding. I'm trying to help us today because this is so important that if we say we are children of God, if we say we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, but yet we don't take what God has given us and go out into the world and share it with somebody else, God is... Mm, 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 mm. God is trying to get our attention to have someone to know that there will be a re repercussion. There will be a, a time of, of uh, the word I'm looking for is there will be a time where God will have the final say. He will have a judgment based on, that's the word I was looking for. He will have a time of judgment when that time comes that we that have the Holy Ghost we must take an opportunity to share it with other people. For the Bible says, Take therefore the talent from him, give it unto him which have ten talents. It goes on to say, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I believe your witness is a part of your salvation. I believe your witness is a part of your salvation. That we cannot have the gift of God in us and keep our mouths closed. You cannot have the gift of God in you and keep your mouth closed. You cannot. Because you're taking what you have not earned. You're taking what is God's, what he has given unto you and you're hiding it in the earth. The scripture, I'm going to read this one more time because I really want everyone to understand this. The scripture says, in Matthew chapter number 25 is where we're reading. Matthew chapter 25. But he that had received one went and digged it in the earth and hid his Lord's money. You hear that? His Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned unto him. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant that has been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. But then will we drop down to the one that only received the one. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thee, that thou, thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. Jesus was letting him know and saying when he said, lo, there thou hast, that is mine. As I explained, Jesus is saying what you put in the ground wasn't yours to put in the ground. And because he chose to do something that didn't belong to him in the first place, that he didn't earn but he just received. You know, when 
the spirit of God comes into you, it's not something that you earn, but it's something that you receive. Jesus paid the price on Calvary. Jesus paid the price at the cross. Once Jesus was buried and rose again, he said that I have all power in heaven and in earth. Jesus, as he, before he ascends into heaven, lets his people know that I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send the comforter. The scripture says that he will send the comforter in my name. The Bible lets us know that the disciples waited or they tarried in Jerusalem. Why were they tearing? Because the word tarry means to wait. What were they waiting for? They were waiting for the promise of God. They were waiting for something that God promised them that they were to receive. And then once they received it, they were to then go and tell somebody else about it. I want to give you even more scripture here. For the Bible says, when it comes to the witness and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. It lets us know that in the book of Luke, chapter number 12, starting at verse number 8, it says, Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men, shall be denied before the angels of God. We must be bold about what we believe and what we know is true. Do not let Satan discourage you from letting your light shine. He cannot touch you. Remember, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. We have no reason to fear or to be timid about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When perfect love is the motivation or engine behind our words and actions, fear has no place. There is no fear in love. 1 John chapter 4 says, but perfect love casts out all fear. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. But here's the best part. We have been given the power to be a witness. For the Bible says in Acts 1, verse number 8, as I quoted earlier, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And the Bible says in John 14, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, <laughs> the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works then these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. It took belief to receive the Holy Ghost. So why not believe in the power that comes with the Holy Ghost? Just think about your own life, how you used to act, how you used to think, how you used to cuss, how you used to gamble, how you used to do the certain things that you used to do. It took the power of God to bring you out. It's that same power that is active in your life that can keep you out. We have, you have the spirit of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. There is no limit to what God can do through you when you allow him to. That's why the book of Luke chapter 14 says, and the Lord said unto his servants, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be 
feel. It is our responsibility as Christians to compel them to come in, to persuade them that Jesus can feel the void that they're trying to feel with that the world is trying to offer. That he is the answer, that heaven and hell are real, and one day we will all stand before God and answer for our lives and how we lived them. Everyone, everyone listening today has a testimony. Your testimony is powerful. If you don't know anything else to share, share your testimony. Sharing your testimony is one of the most effective ways to share with others how Jesus changed your life for the better and how he has kept you and blessed you. It shows people that you were once a sinner too, and it gives people something to relate to because people are looking for real people that serve a real God. If there's anything that we can do today going forward, we can confess with our mouth and ask God to forgive us for not sharing the good news and the gospel and being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not being afraid, neither ashamed to open up our mouth and share with anybody and everybody what God has done for us. There's plenty of opportunities out there that we can share that Jesus is still the same God. God yesterday, today, and forever. So I want to encourage everyone that God is looking for people. He's looking for an individual. He's looking for you and I to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's looking for people in the church that are not ashamed to go outside the four walls of the church, wherever you may be, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me, hear me well. Don't just say, yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I love Jesus, but share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's so many different places and so many different people that are out there not having the understanding what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, but let them know it takes the death, burial, and resurrection. Let them know it is through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of it is the power, it is the power unto God, unto salvation. That's where the power lies. It is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging every believer that we must not bottle in or hide in the earth what was not worked or earned for on our own. But it was given to us by Jesus Christ. And what was given to us, we must utilize it. So yes, yes, I, I do want your heart to yearn. Yes, I do want you to think very cautiously over the next few days. Yes, I do want you to go to God in prayer over the next few days. Yes, I do want you to ask the Lord to forgive you if you know you haven't been sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, I do want you to really think deep and ask yourself, am I doing what I need to do in order to be received into glory. Yes, I do want you to begin to think about are there times that I've just kind of skipped over opportunities out of fear because I was afraid to mention the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, I do want you to dig deep within yourself because that is something that I am doing. I'm digging deep within myself. Am I only sharing with people that I feel comfortable with and not sharing with others that I don't feel so comfortable with? But God, help us. Give me a boldness. Give me greater understanding. Help me, God, to 
remove any roadblock. Help me, Lord, to remove any obstacle out of my way, which oftentimes that obstacle is yourself. It is just ourself, whether it be pride, whether it be fear, whatever the case may be, it is ourself. But help us, Lord, that we will be a witness, that we will gain five more talents, that we will gain two more talents. Now, if you want to ask me my personal preference, I know uh, I know that the talents is dealing with money. He gave a parable, but I truly believe that parables also relate to something. That's why it's called a parable. He's comparing it to something. He's not necessarily talking about gifts, all right, but I believe he's talking about people, souls. Uh-huh. He's talking about souls. He went out and gained more. He had, he had, God gave him the ability to be able to gain more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He gave one ability to be able to reach pe- a certain group of people, and that person took what God gave him and was able to gain more people. Uh-huh. He gave someone else a, a certain amount of ability to gain just a certain group of people, and that person took it and gained more. And then this person that didn't have as much, but still God gave him something, but yet he didn't take what God God gave him to give more. Matter of fact, he ran them into the ground. You might as well say he didn't even preach the gospel to them, but yet he took something that God gave him, which was the revelation of Jesus Christ, which was the revelation of one God, which was the revelation that you must be baptized in Jesus' name, which was the revelation of receiving the Holy Ghost, but yet he didn't get behind his pulpit on his platform and preach the revelation that God had given him, but he put it in the earth. So God said, I'm going to take what I gave from you and I'm going to give it to somebody else that's able to reach more people that's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So where do we stand? Where do you stand? What influence has God given you? Has he given you influence over one? Has he given you influence over two? Has he given you influence over five? What are you doing with it? What are you gaining from it? And I'm challenging us here today. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I pray that this word is getting into your spirit right now. Every home, I pray, that is moving into your spirit. Don't take what God has given you and hide it in the earth. But take what he has given you and be a witness for him. Share, because people are looking for real people that serve a real God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray that you may help us elevate our mind right now. Strengthen us, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, help me. Help me personally, Lord that I may live, walk, and talk the ways of righteousness, the ways of truth. Help me, O God, to be obedient unto your word, to your voice, O God. Every day of my life, God, move upon your people right now, Jesus, in their homes, wherever they may be listening right now. Help them, O God. Lift up their hands. Come on, right in your home, right where you are. Come on, you ought to lift up your hand right now. You ought to lift up your voice. Ask God to help you. 
Because how can someone else hear about the truth if you never share it with them? How can someone else hear that there is a God that is able to bring them out of their ways and their sin if you don't tell them? How can someone, I'm talking about open up your mouth. Don't just rely on social media. Don't rely on a Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. No, um, people hide behind those things. That's how people hide. Uh, and they say what they feel, but they never profess it when they're face to face. But I'm talking about Christians, children of God, that's not afraid face to face to tell somebody, this is how you are born again. This is what you must do. This is what Jesus requires out of us. And you're living the life according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. Give us the boldness right now because I don't want to be cast in the outer darkness because I took what you gave me and hid it in the earth. But God, if you've given me revelation, much is received. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have given me what you have given me. And I pray in the name of Jesus that much is required out of the one that has received much. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen wherever you are, wherever you are. May God bless you today. We thank you so much for being with us. Continue to tune in. Continue to hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell because it will give you notifications. May God bless you in Jesus' name. We look forward to seeing you all soon.